Welcome to this week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we cover a band who came to save rock and roll. This week we're talking about Fall Boy. This is Caleb Rump speaking. I'm here with Jared. This is Tyler. And once again, this week we are talking about Fallout Boy. And how did everybody feel about listening to Fallout Boy this week? Jared, let's start with you. Yeah, start with me because it's going to go let's downhill get, from there. Get positive. Keep her, keep her up a beat. Okay, so I picked Fallout Boy this week because uh, they're one of my uh, favorite bands growing up. Mm-hmm. The later stuff is questionable, and we'll get to that. Yes. Very questionable, very bad, some of it. But um, one of the first things I remember uh, of watching music videos and stuff back in 2004. Uh, so I, I would have been, what, like 16? Is that the How do ages work anymore? I think, let's see. So let's say that we were watching a music 16. video in 2004. Yeah, yeah, I, I would have been, been th- 11. I would have been 13. So you would have been 13. Yeah, I would have been 13 as well. Because that's what happens. Now, Jared, you would have been potentially... 12. I might have been 12, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I would have been 13. Weird. We were young boys. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I saw the music video for... You know what I was doing in 2004? No. Listen to Franz Ferdinand. Oh, my Congratulations. Yes. I just figured I put it out there. It's been a while, I think. You, I'll cut that out. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you don't have to cut, cut it out. Uh, I watched I watched the music video for Sugar We're Going Down. Mm-hmm. Good music video. He's got de- uh, antlers on. It's yeah. a cute yeah, little thing. Then, I like on. that. I like yeah. I like that video. It's a good video. I I, I was blown away by pop punk. You know, and so <laughs> ever since I went to Walmart where you buy CDs. Yes, and I bought that album, and then album? that that band the CD, and then they, that's, a, that's they, an album. They blew up. They, yeah. they became very popular, probably, yeah. arguably, one of the more popular bands in that genre. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. During that time yes. period, and also, like, you know, they're one of the few bands from that time period that can sell, maybe not sell out an arena, but be able to play at an arena. Two people come to mind. Uh, My Chemical Romance and Panic! at the Disco. Yeah. Yes. Which, Fall Out Boy, oh, man, I don't know. I don't, Fall Out Boy doesn't have the... Um, cult following like the other two bands do. Not any longer now. But I think that historically, Fall Out Boy has had more chart success than yeah. like Panic has. Oh yeah, well, yeah. But also they appeal to a different crowd. Yeah, true. Because My Chemical Romance, you don't have My Chemical Romance made an appeal to uh, what would be called even to like emo and goth kids in a way yes. that Fall Out Boy mm-hmm. could not reach to them yeah. in mm-hmm. a way, right? And then. Panic at the Disco was kind of like a slightly more mainstream version of that, yeah. where you sound like Fall Out Boy, but you sing songs about, uh, instead of singing songs about like heartbreak and things like Fall Out Boy would sing about, uh, you sing songs about like, you know, weird, dumb things. Silly circuses. Yeah. And use and use profanity just for the sake of using profanity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. pissed off type See, the situations. thing about Panic at the Disco is like the that sound of a fever you can't sweat out. Um where they uh, open the goddamn door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that was only literally on one album. Right. And right. then they did Pretty Odd, which, which was, was like a weird, like, like Beatles-esque. Beatles yeah. Which I like. It was very polarizing, but I think it's one of my favorite albums by them. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get too far into this, but we will. Sure. And then none of their other albums sound anything. I don't want to, but I'm going anything to. Anything like A Fever You Can't Sweat Out. Uh-huh. At least with My Kim, you had two. Yeah. Well, and Vices then, and Virtues... 
Fall Out Boy has kind of in that realm. Uh, they have prop. They have four really that sound very similar to each other. Yeah, the debut, mm-hmm. and then from under a cork tree, yeah. Folly Ado, mm-hmm. and Infinity on High, and okay. then it gets very kind of odd pop. Once they came back, sure. It, it, well, Infinity really sound- on High's got a little bit of changes to it, but yeah. I will concede to you. The basis of what you're saying. Yeah. The the, the they didn't completely the, change their sound like the no, other bands. Right. The groundwork was kind of still there for all four of those albums, but yeah. really progressively for all four of those albums, it got poppier, poppier, yes. poppier. Yes, it did. In a weird way. Yes, it did. But I will get into like where my preference lies on those albums, but I do think that they progressively did change. But I do think, like you're saying, I think that those four albums kind of exist in the same realm. Whereas with Pink of the Disco, like. Fever You Can't Sweat Out is not anywhere near the same album as Pretty Odd. Yeah. They're two completely different albums. And I think that I put them Fall Out Boy in a different category because growing up, uh, My Kim and Panic were your band. Yes. And Fall Out Boy was my band. Yes. In that time. You know, like, sure. So, like, I don't love Panic and My Kim as much as I love Fall Out Boy because sure. you love them. I oh, like. Oh, okay. We can't share. I mean, we, I'm just saying, like, no sharing. I I to now I appreciate Panic at the Disco a lot more, and mm-hmm. I've been able to find stuff in their later stuff mm-hmm. um, that I really really like a lot, and I love um, Pretty Odd. Like I think that is a sure. really good album, and A Fever You Can't Sweat Out. I can listen to that a lot, and you know, like appreciate it. Sure. Um, but yeah, I I've followed Fall Out Boy for a long time. Uh, I saw them, the first time I saw them, I believe was 14, 2014, maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right? Sounds approximate. Um, I had to, I think I brought this up on the Paramore episode, but I'll go ahead and regurgitate the same story. Please. I had tickets to see Paramore and Fall Out Boy. And my friend Josh called me and he said, Hey, do you want to meet Fall Out Boy? And I said, What? And he was like, yeah, do you want to meet Fall Out Boy? And I said, yeah, that would be uh, pretty cool. How is this a thing? And he was like, oh, I just won tickets to uh, a meet and greet on the radio. And I won a meet and greet to meet Paramore. But I'm going to see if they'll let me switch it for Fall Out Boy. And I was like, okay. And so I get the to the venue. Uh, they did not do any switches. So I met Paramore instead. Meet is an interesting word because all you do is literally stand up there, get a picture taken, and then walk away. Yeah. Which is not meeting. And she couldn't, she didn't talk, she wasn't talking before the show. So all she did was just wave. I'm like, hello. But there's a picture of me with Haley Williams and the rest of the crew, which uh, she will not name. But yeah, that was the first time I saw Fall Out Boy. They were pretty good. Was that in 2014 when they toured with them? I don't know. Was like, that was, what do you think? Was that recent or was it earlier than that? They toured in 2014 um, promoting. Oh, well, I don't remember what it was. It was probably 2014, I think. Because I think been... it was, it, it wasn't. It wasn't before Save Rock and Roll. It was still it, they were doing some of their newer work. Okay, yeah. So because that's a tour, that's when they wrote a lot of stuff for. for yeah, I think American it was Beauty, a, American Psycho, even so. Yeah, something like that. Um, and then I saw them again like two years ago at Baker's Life uh, in Indianapolis, which is an arena, mm-hmm. which is different than an outdoor venue where where I saw them the first time. And they had uh, <laughs> the first one was an up and coming pop punk band that opened and then uh it was machine gun kelly performing around the time of the peak Mm -hmm. of the eminem beef yes and i thought he was gonna play uh the uh, what's it called kill shot was that what it was called i thought no that's eminem's uh it's um 
Rap devil. Yeah, yeah rap, rap devil. Because Eminem rap god. claims to be a rap god. Yeah, so yeah. MGK is the rap devil. And so uh, he did not perform it. He, I think he only performed it on that tour twice. And then he's like, I'm not going to perform it anymore, even though everybody was going specifically to hear that. And I was expecting to have to hear a lot more booze for Machine Gun Kelly. But surprisingly, the crowd was behind this man. There's a reason for that, but we'll yep. get there. Yep, yep, yep. But then Fall Boy performed, and it was really good. You know, like I, it was everything that I wanted. It was like all the songs, mostly all the songs. They played Centuries and stuff. I'm like, okay. okay. But the old, they played the old stuff, which is yeah. what, what I wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. And they played some like uh, deeper cuts. They played uh, one of my favorite songs, uh, the um, uh, Water Buffalo song. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was good. So I'm glad that I saw them and I'm glad we listened this week. Because uh, from under the cork tree, is one of my favorite albums that I've ever had. So there you go. Tyler? Fall Out Boy. I do not like Fall Out Boy. Mm-hmm. I've stated it before. I'm stating it now. I don't like Fall Out Boy for a few reasons. Let me start off with, I'll start off with the impressions of Fall Out Boy that I don't like. We'll start because I think all of us have an experience. All three of us have an experience with Fall Out Boy in our more formative years. Okay. And that, that has driven our opinions of the band mm-hmm. and it's part of our tastes and what have you. So I will, as mentioned previously, which I have, I'm going to cut and I will say it now for the first time. In 2004, I was listening to Franz Ferdinand. I was interested in bands like Franz Ferdinand. I was listening to Modest Mouse because at that point, good news for people of bad news was relatively recently out. Not long before, just a few years before they had re- released the Moon Antarctica, which is a really great album of theirs. So that's where I was. I also, mm-hmm. um, it was in the later, uh, period of middle school when I began listening to uh, when I heard about Fall Out Boy. I was in eighth grade when I heard about Fall Out Boy. In eighth grade, we took a trip to DC, and while at DC, we went to a mall and I went to the Apple Store and I listened to an iPod. And on the iPod, this I know Jay is already smiling. There was, and I don't. This could have been a promotional segment prior to the start of a song because I did not hear it this week. So I was like, this isn't a song opening. It's probably a promo situation, but the promo said to something like, check out this new punk band, Fall Out Boy. And I go, okay. And they started playing a Fall Out Boy song. And then about 30 seconds later, I shut the iPod off and I walked out of the store and I was pissed off because I'm, I like punk. I'm a punk purist. I'm in DC. Okay. The, 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 the home, land of Fugazi. The home of Ian Mackay. I'm in DC. I've got ripped jeans and a Ramon shirt on probably at that moment in time. All right. And my chucks and I'm not dealing with this garbage. So I put it down. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm like, nope, done. So my initial impressions of fallout by were not good. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, and so this of course would have been from under the cork tree, which would have been the, it, my intro to fallout boy, as it was for you. I did not listen to the first album. I'm not, I was not a huge fan of that album. Uh, I wasn't a big pop punk person. I used to be like, well, I had a lot of friends who liked Blink-182, and I was like, I don't like Blink-182. And to be honest, I still really don't like Blink-182 to this day. Sure. I like some pop punk in terms, like, I found that when I was growing up, there were people, there were two groups of people who liked pop punk, and they liked different, like, it, you had kids who liked really commercial, uh, more radio-friendly things in terms of, like, rock radio, such mm-hmm. as Fall Out Boy, such as... Uh, Blink-182, and then you had the group of people that I hung out with that I uh, was more, you know, uh, tied to, who liked Taking Back Sunday and Thursday, you know, and, and bands like that who are a little more, like, kind of uh, in, 
it was not an underground, but it's not as commercial. Like it's not as, it's not as commercially available on the radio, especially coming from a small town in the Midwest, right? Yeah. So, uh, even Yellow Card actually, I, I remember that being a band that was not as accessible as um, Fall Out Boy when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Ocean Avenue, sure. So that was that's where I was. So I I sided on one side, and I did not like them. Sugar were going down to catchy song. I mean, I I yeah. hated that song because I actually enjoyed it to an extent, you know. And <laughs> I, I mean, hate it because I like it, you know. And that's how it was when you're young. Uh, but I did like the music video. I thought it was interesting. So there was that. So I had mild respect for them, but I did not like them. Um, then when that next album came out, you'll know the name of it. Infinity on high. Yes, Infinity on high. Mm-hmm. My high school girlfriend made me buy that album for her mm-hmm. as a gift, and I've, I I took me a long time to forgive myself. For purchasing it, yeah, I, f- I, you bet that I let her know that I bought this for you, uh, because I like you. Because there's no way anyone would ever catch me dead buying this album. I would, you know, there's just no way. And so I hope she was appreciative of that. If it's, you're out there, yeah, <laughs> she she knows. It's um, I didn't like, I really didn't like that one that much either, um, because of the for the same situation. And then I never paid attention to Fallen Boy ever again. At that point, until recently, until 2013 to 14, when they came back and began making music so completely horrible that <laughs> my appreciation for, for their old music was had grown. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I'm going to have to like it's so it just is really disappointing when a band has begun making music so bad that I have to walk back an opinion of mine that is 10 years old. <laughs> That's fair. So uh, is that why people like old Lincoln Park so much? I think so. Yeah, right. I I actually yes, do think that is. It the probably case. is. So I don't. And so going into this week, that was my mentality: is that I will listen to old Fallout Boy, and I will enjoy old Fallout Boy to an extent, and then I will not like anything from 2013 on. Yeah. So, but it turns out when I listen to it, I the first album is okay. From Under a Cork Tree is also okay, um, but I still don't like anything beyond that, really. And I don't, I still don't, it still just doesn't do a whole lot for me. And I don't, like, even though I said, yeah, because what happened as well is I found more of an appreciation for the the popular songs of um, Panic at the Disco, who I also was not a fan of, mm-hmm. and even My Chemical Romance, who I'm also not a fan of. You know, we had, during the My Chemical Romance episode, you know, I tried to avoid being like being negative all over it because I respect where I respect them as artists in a way because they're in a, an area that's speaking to like that's speaking to goth like goth emo kids that I knew who really liked them and I re- and like I respect that because I did in that that was like their band, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Meanwhile, a lot of pop punk kids I knew had like multiple bands that were kind of you know so it was a different realm, but. I my appreciation for Fall Out Boy is really has now I'm glad to say has not changed all that dramatically. I think from Under the Cork Tree and the first album are pretty decent as pop punk albums. I think you know they they do all right and they're fine. Uh, from there on though, I get kind of sick of it. And as you get poppier and poppier, I'm just less concerned. I did listen to some of those the first two some of them while I was driving, and uh, it's kind of pretty good driving music to just be like sure. sunny and kind of feel like maybe you know people will look at you and hear what you're listening to they'll be like well, okay. You know, I felt kind of all right. But all in all, this week was moderately difficult, I guess I could say. Moderately difficult. 
I did this to you. <laughs> so I will say my piece on Fallout Boy, and then I will make the case that I believe maybe, and it, it actually may be quite alarming. I will say, um, but I do think it begs to be said. I don't know that other people will have ever said such a thing, so we'll see how it goes. Just get to it. Never. I like to. I like to to meander. Um, I enjoy uh, from under the court tree. That was really my introduction, of course. I thought that the debut was kind of boring, actually. I thought that the debut album kind of it, the the odd thing about uh, "Take This to Your Grave" is that. It was in a time period, 2002, I believe. Three. Uh, 2003, thank you. 2003, where there was a lot of pop punk that existed. And most of it didn't really have an identity at that point in time. Like, if you listen to Take This To Your, uh, Take this to your Grave, it's kind of like, you know, most people would say, like, I would rather listen to The Starting Line or Newfound Glory or, you know, anything within that kind of, uh, that kind of realm of already established pop punk so their debut album like it didn't really i don't think it really did a whole lot that would make anybody say like oh man like this is going to be like the 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 changing of the tides for pop punk or anything like that you know they just kind of fell in line in a lot of ways um i find the story of that too interesting because take this to your grave was on fuel by ramen which uh is worth talking about because fuel by ramen really kind of exploded because of fallout boy and fallout boy kind of influenced how much Fueled by Ramen became not just an independent label and kind of actually something within the spectrum of music that people were paying attention to, but not the point. So from from uh, from under the cork tree was actually their major label debut, but they were already on the major label when they first signed "Take This to Your Grave." So they were allowed to do "Take This to Your Grave" as an independent release, and then were allowed to do their major label debut on i believe it was um island island yeah that's why I, I thought it was island so so they were already a, a part of island but they were allowed to do take this to your grave on independent so uh from under the cork tree i think is a very very formative album for me as well listen to it a lot definitely remember it as being a very important album in that time period uh infinity on high not a big fan pretty big dip in quality on infinity on high. I think that what happened was, was that they were experimenting with the popular side of music that they had kind of, um, weaseled their way into from their last album. And they didn't know exactly how to expand on the pop sound and their lyrics were garbage, 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 garbage. The lyrics from, cause Pete Wentz is really the, the lyrical, mastermind yes of fallout boy which is odd there's not really many instances in which the bassist is the guy that writes all the songs and the guitarist slash singer is the guy who composes all the music i think it's an odd relationship that they have but mm -hmm. it's interesting um then you go into folly ado and i actually think folly ado is a really good album i i remember enjoying the album at the time but like kind of looking back on it i think that it is still a good album i think that it does a much better job of kind of taking those big choruses that they were already kind of familiar with adding in a little bit more of a pop side of things and still making it compelling music uh, so i enjoy folly ado uh, and then from save rock and roll on oh boy it's terrible yeah it's absolutely just virtually unlistenable because what happens is is that on save rock and roll there's a certain level of disappointment 
that yeah. happens. There's this, uh, you're kind of like expecting something anywhere near what you have been hearing from them. And then they shift and the shift is so like jarring as a, you know, fan of their music that it's hard to listen to. But what happens is, is that Save and Rock and Roll is a disappointing album. American Beauty, American Psycho is a heartbreaking album because you, they have, you have now realized that they um, are committing to this atrocity that they are, that their music is going to oh, sound and, like. And increased it to an extent. Quite, by quite a bit. Um, and then Mania is just a complete deflation. Yeah, it's total junk. It's, and but here's here's what I will say, and this is the uh, my biggest thought about Fallout Boy. And again, I, I want to discuss it. I want to know what you think, Jared. You may feel probably similarly, and Tyler, you're probably going to kick me in the teeth. I think that Fallout Boy may be the most influential rock band of the last twenty years. Oh my, that's interesting. Tyler, how do you feel? I would have to disagree. I, like, <laughs> I'm not, I and mean, it's not even like I, I couldn't. Like I could probably create a list of at least ten people that I would probably put over them. I don't know. Influential. Like, yeah, influential. Sure. That yeah. rock bands that have come out within the last two decades that have influenced music in a more profound way. That's interesting. That's interesting. I don't know. I don't know that I could say that. I mean, I can under. I their influence in in certain realms. I think is visible. All right. I think from under the cork tree is a pump pop punk album that we were not hearing from anyone else. Mm -hmm. So I don't deny that. Uh, but for me, that's the one that is the, pretty much the only album of theirs that stands out as something of that nature. Sure. I like, a, a, you know, infinity on high. I would like, I agree with you is not very good, but I didn't like anything else either. I didn't like none of, as they get popular in their original career. Uh, I find that they're pushing towards a ground that I don't think they're particularly that well suited to. Uh, but then, of course, when they come back, they fully, you know, fully convert, like converge over into that world. And it's completely clear that they have no business being there in a way. Uh, right. Because it's just like, well, any it, they have as much business being there as any other commercialized pop artist who just makes songs for the radio that are utterly useless outside of that. They're iTunes commercials. Sure. So. Like, that's all. They, 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 they're, they're, they're soda commercials. Yeah, they're, they're not. Yeah, they're junk. Yeah. So, um, but I don't know. Like, you know, into so to your argument. If I were to phrase your argument in my mindset of that, it would be that Under the Cork Tree is one of the most influential rock albums, if not the most influential rock album in the past 20 years. I don't think it comes down to just that album, though. Yeah, but for me, that's where I would like. For yeah, me, sure. when I think about influences, if I'm framing your what you're saying through my brain, that's what I would say. That would have to, but I would still disagree with that statement. Sure. May I tell you a little? Well, actually, first, Jerry, what do you think about that? Before I, I, I want to keep hearing your thing about it. Okay. I will. Okay. So, uh, I don't. I don't want to get too off topic of what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But talking a little bit about like the return um, from when they had went on hiatus, which they never broke up. They just went on hiatus and they wanted to work on other stuff. Mm -hmm. Patrick Stump did his solo album. Um, Pete Wentz had something called. Uh, Black Cards, mm -hmm. um, a, a, a band that really didn't do anything at all, but people, some people liked it. It was on Decadence and it was on Island Def Jam, the the labels. Mm -hmm. um, but he was with, uh, it was Pete Wentz and BB Rexa 
which she's like a popular singer now too, which is mm-hmm. interesting. But Pete or um, Patrick did his solo album, and at that point, like we had talked about, um, Pete was doing the majority of the lyrics for Fall Out Boy. Mm-hmm. And I think once they decided to come back together, it became more collaborative. of a collaborative effort. Mm-hmm. Another thing, and I wish we would have put this in the playlist because I think Tyler would have enjoyed it more, is a band called The Damned Things. Yes. Uh, which is... Uh, oh, he would have really liked The Damned Things, actually. Which yeah. is Keith Buckley from... Every Time I Die. Every Time I Die. Mm-hmm. Scott Ian from, from Anthrax, Anthrax mm-hmm. and then Joe and uh, what's that other dude's name? Uh, the oh. drummer. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, my God. Hold on. Hurley. Andy Hurley. Yeah. Andy Hurley. Yep. They're on it too. So it, two members of Fallout Boy, a member of Every Time I Die, and a member of Anthrax. Anthrax yeah, could be interesting. Yeah. And then uh, Dan Andriano, uh, who is in uh, in Alkaline Trio. Is oh, also okay. in that group. There we go. And they're that's a, a group that was in heavy was metal kind of... hard rock band that had one album, and it was really good. It was. And then they they like so that album came out in uh, 2010, and then their next album came out last year, 2019. So there was a nine year gap. Nobody thought they'd probably ever make another album. No. But I was excited for it. It was like a thing that was not anything. But that's the kind of music that um, Andy and Joe. St- were making before fallout boy right they were in like you know metal bands and then they made this pop punk band with their friends right th- well they- i mean really their kind of guitar and drum work is pretty prominent most of the time yeah it was less prominent on infinity on high which is unfortunate but even on like folly ado there's still kind of like that big like anthemic guitar and drum p- portions of their songs that mm-hmm. kind of still resound through the tracks a little bit yeah but um but yeah, so I think that's kind of one of the, like, they all, when they left and they came back together, I don't know, because, yeah, they were more collaborative, but at the same time, like, on Mania, like, where are the drums? Yeah, you know, well, like, uh, it's all drum guitar, machines. Yeah, yeah like, uh, it's all programmed. But yeah, that's kind of like, when you have people that are that talented... It sucks when you don't utilize them. Well, the drums right. are like nothing at that point. Even, yeah. like, I mean, even before Mania, the drums are totally American, minimized. American Psycho, yeah, Save Rock and Roll. Really, yeah. there's so little actual like real real instrumentation that you're yes. almost wondering how they're even a part of the well, band one, anymore. One of those albums, it may have been American Beauty, American Psycho, was described by one of the members as like hip-hop beats with guitar over top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> You know, and, yeah. but they're like not hip-hop beats from a drum kit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I mean, the guitar is downplayed as well. It's a background yeah. instrument that really does nothing other than it's all electronics add a point. layer of, of sound, you know? Mm-hmm. One, so. one thing that does stink is that, so like one of the, my f- draws of listening to early fallout boy, uh, the, the from under a cork tree up to uh folly. I do is the lyrics. Yes. And like just the, I don't know, growing up and things like that. And the, Instead of progressing as a lyricist, it just got worse Much with the worse. later out. Like Much that's worse. what I wish that he would have grown up with his lyricism because you can still make those like double entendres and um, kind of like twist tongue twister kind Cliches. of cliches. Like, yeah, yeah, and be a little crit. That's and I'm, be creative in the same way as yeah. an adult. I'm and glad it that, never happened. I'm glad you brought that up because I was reading um, of this when I was reading some. Caleb of, wants to get to his thing. I'm never going to it. Okay. <laughs> He's going to get to it. I, but when I was reading a little bit about some of of like the lyrical work in the new stuff, a lot of people are still like trying to laud hit Pete as like 
a genius lyricist who's just really good at being creative and getting in there. And, and I'm like, for instance, you know, what? I'm going to save this till later. I'm going to save this whole thing till later. Cause we're going to talk about it. It plays into my big frame of this. I this one thing I found that pisses me off. So oh, play, yeah. I'll let it play. I'll wait <laughs> right, till later right. so he can do it. Cause it's going to be a whole thing for me. So I'll wait till I do, later. I do like the, I don't want to get too off track, but I do want to go on at least a five to 10 minute tangent on something else. We yeah. Mu- we must do that. It's okay. Um, okay. So I'm going to tell a little bit of a story, the story of fallout boy and the story of music as it adapted with fallout boy. So in 2005, when From Under the Quirk Tree was initially released, it exploded. Fall Out Boy became effectively like one of the most important rock bands in the commercial aspect of music. They were doing an incredible amount of like sales and music videos and uh, chart topping. And really, I like it, it, you really didn't see another rock band doing that level of commercial success for like a decade. I can't like going back. You really don't see other rock artists since like Nirvana doing the same level of commercial success, commercial success. I'm not saying quality of music. I'm saying commercial success of fallout boy. You have us and fallout boy then progressively made it. So other bands within that same spectrum of music were able to do the exact same thing. You wouldn't have had a my chemical romance go into the mainstream and become one of the most important rock bands of that period of time as well. Arguably, My Chemical Romance at that point in time was maybe even more important, but would not have occurred without Fall Out Boy becoming the commercial success they were. Yes. Panic of the Disco through Fuel by Ramen would not have become an incredibly important band other than through the success of Fall Out Boy. Fall Out Boy also then took other members like Jim Class Hero, Cobra Starship, so on and so forth from Fuel by Ramen and kind of pushed them also into the commercial aspect of things. And so what Fall Out Boy did is they actually adapted rock music to be able to exist in a commercial spectrum of music and be able to have like a fused like network that was actually popular and not just something that like was kind of an underground thing that people paid attention to because they're like yeah pop punk is cool really a lot a lot a lot of bands were able to progress into a commercial spectrum of music because of fallout boy for that reason fallout boy at that point in time were very important for making rock music an important genre at that time. But then, as Infinity on High and Folly Ado came out, they then kind of turned their back on the whole idea of rock music being important within the spectrum of the commercial side of things. They had this weird mentality that if they didn't pop up their sound, then they couldn't survive anymore. The thing that made them incredibly interesting was the fact that they were a pop punk, a rock band in the commercial spectrum of music. And then they weren't interesting because of the fact that they were just a pop band at that point. They were a pop rock band doing the same thing that other pop rock bands were doing. So then flash forward, they take their hiatus. And then what happens is, is that they, they kind of, they're turning their back on the industry of rock music kind of led to everyone else doing the same thing. 30 Seconds to Mars was a group who made kind of an alternative rock, you know, pop, a rock album, but also kind of emo with, you know, A Beautiful Lie. They had the big song, To Kill. And they transferred into a realm of arena rock. My Chemical Romance, 2010, arena rock, Panic the Disco, pop music. 
all of the bands that were that kind of like made an impact during that 2005 2006 realm of music then all shifted because Fall Out Boy also shifted. And so by the time that we got to about 2013, none of those rock bands were rock bands anymore. And the rock bands that were in the commercial spectrum of music were guys like Imagine Dragons and Maroon 5. I was thinking about how... uh, So I was when you're talking about this, Mm -hmm. I never would have heard Say Anything, which is one of my other favorite bands, Mm -hmm. Uh, if it wasn't for Fall Out Boy, mm-hmm. because they were playing that kind of music on Fuse, like you said. Mm-hmm. So because Fall Out Boy had that, I mean, Motion City soundtrack was that way too. And mm-hmm. like Tyler said before, Taking Back Sunday. Mm-hmm. Taking Back Sunday was popular in that genre and realm. And then Make Damn Sure blew up at the same time as all this other yeah, stuff. Yeah, but, yes, they, but Make Damn Sure wasn't a pop hit like Fall Out Boy. Yeah. Right. Like, there isn't really very many other bands like that. Other like we've talked about Panic and Mike Hem, and that's basically it that were that popular on the Billboard Hot 100. Mm-hmm. And so, like we're grouping all of these bands in. Like we're talking about Taking Back Sunday. I'm talking about Motion City because I liked them and because they had hit songs on the network that I liked watching. Mm-hmm. But I only got to see them because Fall Out Boy got. I see where you're going and I don't disagree with you, but right. it is interesting because in the same way you're talking about, I never would have been able to see, say anything or learn about them. I never would have if it wouldn't have been for Fuse. Right. That is how I first saw it. Right. And then I now blame Fall Out Boy for bands like Imagine Dragons. So That's the thing though. So that's where I'm getting to. Yeah. So they kind of already existed a little bit before we got to 2013 Fall Out Boy. And so what what you know the, that's kind of what happened is that the the spectrum of music started to shift away from what Fall Out Boy had done. We weren't in that realm of like the emo, pop punk, goth, whatever kind of style of music of My Chemical Romance, Fall Out Boy, Panic at the Disco, so on and so forth, being the dominant spectrum of rock music. So something had to fill that gap, and so that gap ended up getting filled with this kind of like electronic pop rock. From like a band like Maroon Five or Imagine Dragons or whatever you want to, you know, those are the yeah. you know, kind of the big two ones. And so then Fall Out Boy come back from their for their return album, and um, Save Rock and Roll, you know, had some elements of you know some rock ish elements like Phoenix and you know My Songs Know What You Did in the Dark have like some of those kind of rock esque things in them, but really. That album was so built out of everything else that was happening in that spectrum of rock music. So you have what would have been one of the biggest and influential rock bands of that time coming back with the idea of them saving rock and roll. And they did the exact opposite. They actually put the final nail in the coffin of rock music and then basically made it so that that was the style of music that remained now for almost a whole decade from like 2012 up to now we don't really see any commercial success from rock bands unless they're doing this electronic based pop rock the the bastilles the um, you know like the one that you can say would be foo fighters mm -hmm. but they just sell out like uh they they sell out festivals they Mm -hmm. sell out arenas they sell some albums but they're not like they're not on the Billboard Hot 100. They're just like they have number one rock songs. Not okay. So like, not only is it like the Billboard Hot 100. Where did Save Rock and Roll place 
as like what was it what did it chart as number one how about american beauty american psycho number one how about uh mania number one yeah all three of their albums all three of their albums were the number one album that's crazy that's crazy that their three albums which all virtually sucked yeah yeah. the number one album so like you can't really like mitigate how important fall boy continued to be because people kept buying their records yeah people kept listening to the only groups like like i'm i can think of that are kind of like even close up there is uh like Vampire Weekend would kind of get there, but they they have a decent amount of pop elements. Mm-hmm. Arctic Monkeys can kind of get there because when AM came at it, blew right in. Yeah, and it's not like super poppy, really. Um, I don't know what it is though. It's kind of like um blues rock. Yeah, but it's I don't know what element it is that everyone grasped onto, but it's not pop. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not good either, but it's not. But, <laughs> it's yeah, not terrible. But it's like, not terrible. I'm, but I'm, when I'm thinking of this, and I think Caleb is in, in the same realm, is like. Uh, and I, th- I think this is kind of where the conversation um, hurts sometimes when we talk about this is because Tyler thinks of things cre- like with critical acclaim and we think of things like commercial a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking. I do uh, both, but yeah, I, I, I can I, see I, both ends. Because I, I think that probably over the like in music, critical acclaim means more. But I think that also being the number one whatever and selling a lot of albums that's how you, like, that's how people know who you are. And how you influence too. music yes. in a lot of ways. How you influence well, the music that people know. Yes. Not in, yes no, not in no. any, like, guys, I mean, again, like, you know, you can influence, you can be an influential rock band that nobody knows about, but you like, know? Like, like, but, like you said with Maroon 5, like, they, Songs About Jane is a good album. Um, right. People, well, you know, and they have some stuff later, but it, they just become so pop and no, not really rock anymore. That they're can because they used to be considered a rock band, that they're like, oh yeah, Maroon Five, that's a very popular rock band. It's like they're not. They're not no. right. They're not. They're not that anymore. In the same way you're saying Fall Out Boys, which is true. Um, Young and Menace. I think we should play that song because it is probably the worst Fall Out Boy song. It is a really bad second song. to last song off of Mania. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's very oh, bad. Oh, it's yeah. so bad. It came out as a single too. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, wild. Which is like. So disappointing. I think one of the things, before you play that song, mm-hmm. uh, in 2016, Fall Out Boy came out with Ghostbusters, I'm Not Afraid, featuring Missy Elliott. Uh-huh. And it is truly one of the worst songs. Uh-huh. One of their worst songs. It's probably, I don't know, it's it's up there with Young and Menace. Mm-hmm. And that was really what kind of set the tone for the bad music of Young, uh, of Mania, really. Yeah. Young and Menace was the the first single from Mania. That's the first thing. It was. It's like Ghostbusters came out as a single. Dubstep. Ghostbusters. Yeah, I know. Ghostbusters came out as a single for the Ghostbusters movie featuring uh, the all women cast. And then Young and Menace came out as the first single from Mania. And I was like, what? What is going on? This is awful. Yeah. 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 Play that song here just to get a taste of awful. substanceless it's pretty bad i mean it's just a replication of many pop sounds 
Yeah. All thrown into one piece of garbage. It's like a Skrillex song that he never should have released that came out too late. Yeah. Like, it really is too yeah, late. Yeah, but it's not, it doesn't even have any, like, th- it has no weight to it. No, not know? at all. Like, no, it's no, not no. like a Skrillex song, like, that's weighty. It has, like, it's just like, there's nothing to that. No. And that, one thing I don't like about them, like, their return is their, this, this, like, attitude that they have. This yeah. mentality they, they have. They think that they're great. Yeah. yeah. And they like, have the, the high, the, like, the biggest clout in their own yeah, mind. Yeah. And I'm just like, dude. <sighs> You, no, and that, that, start, that started. That's the thing, though. That started on Infinity on High. They talked about their fame yeah. and stuff, like like album three. Like and they knew that they were a big either. deal right out of the gate. And I think that one of the problems with that is that they've continued to have number one albums and they continue to have successful tours. And so that idea that they have that they're so good is true in their is minds. True in their minds. Yeah. Like I went to see them because I wanted to hear the old music. Right. Which is like a grandpa thing to do. You know, like yeah. it's a dumb, yeah, well, it's it not depends. a real fan thing. Play Freebird. Yeah. But it's because the new music is not very good. And that's why. Now, there are people that go because they wanted, obviously, it wouldn't have been number one. Right. If people didn't like the Yeah, music. but these are different people. Now it's different people. Yeah, I know. I mean, these are just pop They're people. They're different people. You're correct. Right. These are, these are people who, what's, I mean, what's interesting about it, too, is we know that the pop realm is an instant consumption, instant trash world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, nothing holds value past a certain period of time for the most part. You know, it's all this is all disposable garbage that comes out, and for the moment of it is is to an extent it, it has a, it has waves in it, uh, and people like it. And then when the next big thing comes out, people like that, and nobody cares anymore. You know, there's no it doesn't have to be substance; it just has to hit some kind of something or other. So obviously, they've got some they've found some formula that's working in that regard. But those are like those are the people that they're getting now. Yeah. Those are the people that are coming out, and I wonder um, if some of those people haven't have like not even heard like when they I come, think it's oh, Fallout Boy. Even. Oh yeah, I know. Like, isn't that it's just... the same thing with um, like Panic, where the only member of Panic at the disco right now is as Brendan right, Urie. Right, that's it, and probably most like and people like I mean he's he sings very well, mm. he's a good looking guy, and mm. they're like oh Brendan Urie is gorgeous, whatever. But uh, yes. But like I would say, a lot of those people don't know a fever, you can, or don't know all no. the stuff that. No, probably not. Uh, was it Ryan? Was that his name? Yeah. The the yes. guitarist from yes. um, from the first mm-hmm. few albums or whatever that really had more of a hand in uh, Pretty Odd than yes than he did Brendan. But that's the thing is I I don't think very many people know that other than. Um, people who grew up in that period of time, other than the the open the damn door thing, right? That's yeah. all they really know. Yeah, it's just weird. Well, and I'll I'll, I'll would be remiss if I didn't say that. I thought the new Panic at Disco sucks too. It's not very good, and it's what's also interesting. It's just pop. Yeah, it, yes, it is. I yeah, thought Death of His Ladies Man sucked, and I I found it so interesting that they came out. Right around the Death same of a time, bachelor. Death of a Bachelor. That's uh, sorry, Cohen. Yeah, I just I talked will, about I that. Will, a couple here's days what ago. I want you, <laughs> Jimmy Fallon, you going crazy. Oh my gosh, yeah, I, so I hate it. I hate how I want I you to it. go back and put. I, hate it. I thought Death of the Ladies, man, that's a Leonard Cohen. It is. Right? I want you to bachelor. go back and just add that clip of him saying it sucked into that old episode. No, don't do that because <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. I, I much, I much enjoyed that. I'm Death of, of a Bachelor. That's funny. Death of a Bachelor is not. It's not good. I thought it was weird. It came out around the same time as American Beauty, American. Psycho, yeah. and they were both very sample heavy. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's in the same not good way. Like you're not you're just sampling. 
I'm gonna have to get into my thing because this is what it's about. Before yeah, you get, get into your it. thing, oh, okay, here we go. We have played no favorite. I tracks. know. I was getting 45 ready. minutes in, no favorite tracks. That's is crazy. We played our worst favorite track. That's true. And then uh, that's about it, really. Yeah. Uh, I think Tyler should go because I know how much he hates all of it. So go. Yeah, ahead. I really, I don't even know <laughs> if I can. Cho- I really can't choose you one. Have to. I can't. Uh, I would. I. There's at least one song that you're like. I guess this is fine. No, I don't. I, early stuff. Like the problem is, is that even though I find the early stuff to be much more tolerable, I don't find that anything particularly stands out. Okay, I mean, you can play "Sugar We're Going Down" if you want to. I don't mind. That's the only song uh, that I, that's probably the song I've heard most, and it would be like okay, whatever. And I don't have an issue with that. Fair enough. That will do it. But I don't. I don't <laughs> what, have a. F- what a cop. It it's is. fine I mean, if that's what I, you want. I, I don't play the really popular song. I don't give a fuck. You can play "Dance Dance" if you want to. I mean, I don't mind. Record, everybody, yeah. that was Tyler's favorite Fall Out Boy song. He it loves that song. He loves to listen to no. it while he, he drives. He listens to it while he drives. Was, uh, He's having a great time with it. He bought it he for was, his you should have, you should have No, not that album. You should have saw him while we, while we were listening to it here in studio. He was just dancing. He was having a great yeah. time smiling. I was. He was more than I bargained for before I heard the song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that's just who I am this week. All right. It's bad. I don't like. I I used to make fun of that song a lot, and it's sad that now I have to admit that I enjoy it more than other things, and that's, that's really disappointing. I and I don't that. even know what to say. I get that. So, are you ready for me to get into this? I think so. All right, I'll get into it. So, there was. It's when we get to American Beauty, American Psycho. It's a heavily sampled album. There's samples all over it. Yes. Uh, which I don't know. I'm not like. I just read that they were. Writing songs for that, whether on tour with Paramore in 2014, when Jared would have saw them, they would have been writing some songs for that album. I don't, I've been told, I've read things that say, oh, this is why there was like, that say, I've read comments that say, oh, that's why there were so many samples on it. But I've never seen the main statement of this is why this is so, has so many samples. Do you guys have any, did you read anything that brings you to awareness as to why they chose to begin using so many samples no okay because they're popular i don't know i'm asking if you want if you uh, read it i don't know i, don't I mean, think well it, i mean it is a popular i will say that wince wince um was clearly influenced by hip-hop music early on right. so first track off of infinity on high thriller has an introduction by jay-z right. uh i will interrupt you very briefly if that's okay to play yep. my favorite song sure my yeah, favorite song uh has uh lil wayne as a feature it's the song on folly ado tiffany blues um i don't particularly care for the little wayne part but i do think that the chorus is very interesting so let me play that really quickly and then i'll, I'll let it you know bleed into the little wayne part Again, not particularly, you know, yeah. but you get the point. So he, they, you know, he, he had an interest in hip hop music 
early. Sure. Go on. Yeah. Well, it's written, it's full of samples, of course. And as I was listening along, I I was familiar with some of the songs. I'm familiar with Centuries, and I don't think anyone's not uh, familiar with that song. I'm familiar with Uma Thurman, whose sample I really hate that sample they used. Ooh. Because I like the Munsters, and it's a surf rock song, and it, it doesn't make me happy at all. That yeah. they use. And it's just like not... They sampled... That's the one... That and... What was the Panic at Disco song that came out right around then? They used another sample from a... From a oh, was it Rock Lobster? Yes. Okay, That's yeah. what I was thinking. On Don't Threaten Me With A Good Time. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. Yep. So it was... Uh, the way that they used the sample in both of them were very similar. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, wait, all right, guys. Um, but it seems that they're, 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 these samples are relatively heavy. There's, there, it's not just like a sample where it's a little bit that creates something. And then it, like in hip hop, if you sample as an intro, it may show up in the chorus, but it doesn't typically last throughout the verse. You know, it comes in here or there. It's a short piece. It's typically potentially altered. Or it's like a layer that's yes. under the the, yes. the overall beat. It's a sample that kind of like fits within the context yes. of the song. It's but not isn't the like song the, itself. The, even yes. uh, even centuries. I, I think you mentioned even centuries has the the sample of Tom's, Tom's Diner, Diner yep. by Suzanne Vega. Yes, it's that it's is the, the song. It's one of those things where, like. You have like you wear your references on your sleeve to a certain extent, and they used to do it lyrically. You see, sure. they used to do it lyrically where they'd make references to other things, and then they decided to stop doing it lyrically, and then they did it uh, musically, right? Poorly, poorly. poorly. Well, I will, I will agree with you. Yes, no doubt. Okay, so as I was listening along to this album, I'm familiar with the, with you know I was already familiar with a couple. Of them. I was familiar with the fact that they use samples. I'm familiar as I continue, I can tell you sampling is a big part of this album. This or that. I come upon a song, all right, and this is my booba to dupe for this week too. Hey, but okay, okay, all right, okay. That I go, what uh, what is happening? What is happening here? So I'll start with doing playing the booba to boop, and uh, then I'll get into to my the story and anger of it. So play Fourth of July by Fallout Boy off of that album, of course. American Beauty, American Psycho. All right, now any Fallout Boy listener, uh, whether you be an old Fallout Boy fan or a new Fallout Boy fan, particularly new Fallout Boy fans, are unlikely to know the reference in which this boobadoobadoop is. All right, but me when I heard it, I knew exactly what it was instantly because I love this album. This is a, a sample of "Lost It to Trying" by Sun Lux off of his 2015, well, 2014 release. Sorry, uh, called Lanterns. This uh, tw- Sun Lux is a collective of a few different people. Uh, the main guy's name is Ryan. He has a master's in composition. He went to IU Bloomington. He's on Joyful Noise, which is an Indianapolis independent record label. Uh, Sun Lux is. And uh, so I'll go ahead and have you play the beginning of that song so you can see the sample. It's the exact same song. They, they may have sped it up very slightly, but they have based their entire song. And that song uses the sample of Sun Lux sample being we're going to let your song play. Just play. Not like a tidbit of your song. Not like a couple seconds. We're just going to let the entire instrumental portion of your song play 
while we sing over top of it. Right. For the entirety of our track. Well, that's the thing that blows me away is like, how do you, how can you even argue that they have another member other than Patrick Stump? Because like there, yep. there's no instrumentation no. under any of it anymore. No. It's just programming. Yes. And it's, that specific one just pissed me off. Because yeah. I'm like, you, this is a, that Sun Lux song is a really great song. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting. And it's also by no means, uh, Sun Lux is not exactly known to be a super yes. popular band no. by any means. No, the, you, you took a song, a great song written by a smaller art, lesser known artist, and you've just used it as, there's a difference if you're like giving homage and you're doing, but you've just used it as your song. Right. And it's not as though they like, you know, Made it very clear, like, oh, hey, we really like this Sun Lux group. Like, right. I didn't know that. Yep. So I heard, well, as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh my God. And I went and played Sun Lux so I could confirm that it was just like straight up, you just did it. So then I did a little bit of some research on the thing and I found oh my. a blog post on Joyful Noises website by Carl Hofstetter, who is one of the main dudes of Joyful Noise. And he rarely writes blogs. It's typically about special releases and stuff like that. Sure. So, But he wrote this uh, in November of 2015. It's called The Fall Out Boy Sun Luck Story, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Fund the Rock. And it's basically Catch a, a one-year um, reflection on his decision to grant the rights for that sample. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the story. And basically what happened is uh, Universal Music Group reached out to him via email in a rush after the song had already been tracked and said, we would like, uh, Fall Out Boy would like to have uh, the rights to the sample of one of your artists, Sunlux, um, whilst it's trying. Please let me know ASAP, you know, if we can do this or not, what have you. So he forward and they sent us he sent an uh, MP3 of the song so he could listen to it. He forwarded that on to Ryan of Sunlux and said, uh, you know, as always, it's basically up to you. If you're all right with it, I'm on. I'm all right with him. Well, in the time after he sent that, he then listened to it. And <laughs> he said he had never heard Fall Out Boy before. Good uh, for he, him. He just knew they were one of those, quote, huge bands. So. He was kind of like, whatever. And so that's why he went ahead and sent, sent it over to him. Then he, list, like I said, he listened to it, uh, expecting a pop punk song from what he knew of Fall Out Boy, of course. And he hadn't mm. listened to the previous album. And uh, he was anticipating that his song, that, you know, that Sun Lux would be buried in the mix. Uh, but he says that basically what he heard was akin to karaoke. Yeah. Where they just sang over top of it. And so he said, <laughs> this is a quote from it. He said, it's similar to if you were at a bar and Queen... Under pressure, started playing, but then before you knew it, no, that's not Queen and Bowie, that's Vanilla Ice. So that you know, so he realized that this is just plain and simple, not what not what he wanted. So he said it took right. him seven minutes. He he emailed back in seven minutes and said, "Wow, I take that back. This is truly the worst thing ever. My opinion would be should say no unless it's crazy money. Seriously, it's laughably bad." So. The whole story goes on where he gets in this big, uh, you know, the lawyers at Joyful Noise and Universal get together to try to settle terms. Um, and eventually Sun Lux says, yes, you know, that it, it's okay, you know, it's okay for them to use it. Uh, but apparently what happened here is the tracking of that by Sun Lux actually had a hand uh, by Carl because Carl made some suggestions as to when the lyric should come in and dealing with when you shouldn't just stay instrumental in this or that. So he felt kind of personally like, you know, I worked on this song 
even though, you know, as a producer and even though I try to stay out of it. So he felt some personal connection and he was unwilling to give it up. And I guess they settled for some huge settlement that his lawyer uh, told him, guaranteed him was four times what the industry typically pays for this thing. Oh my! And uh, so, and I guess he talked to a couple of industry insider buddies. I'm doing air quotes here mm-hmm. uh, that claimed that he, they, he kind of put universal through the ringer and a bunch of people at universal are pretty pissed off at him. Nice. So he gets all this money and he can use it then to fund, you know, Sunlux of course gets a, por- a portion of it and then joyful noise gets rights to some of it and can use it to fund new bands that are interesting and experimental Sure. and uh, not utter garbage. But, Essentially, I thought you said Fall Out Boy were safe. This is kind of well. <laughs> this is just an interesting story. It's about what safe. I'm compelled. It's yeah. It's about what safe you mean. So, so do you think that it was uh, like Pete that liked that song and then wanted to sample it, or do you? Because like, I'd have to look and see who who technically produced that song, and then we would know better. Uh, it says somebody named Sinclair. Who is that? Who who's Jake Sinclair? He produced that album, and he produced that song. So he would have probably had to find found that sample, and said, "I would like to use it." And Fall Out Boy would have said, uh, "Sure, that's fine." Most likely, I I don't know how much they include their own opinion on the production of their songs. You know, I'm not sure. Yeah, they come in with like. The music and the lyrics and everything, but then the producers do the rest of their thing. Do you have more for your story? Well, no, he just, I mean, he felt that this song was an abomination. He said he 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 feels personally guilty for this song having been uh, reaching the world. And so he hopes that his uh, his reinvestment of, of his Fallout Boy money uh, has offset his sin of allowing it, that song to exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully enough amazing music has come about from it to counteract the sin of letting 4th of July come into the world, he says, at the end of his blog post. So, But that's also my point where that's the song as well, where I I also found a Reddit post that links to a Nuvo, which is a... uh, Nuvo is a regional magazine for music and and art, right? Uh, So a Nuvo article that um, discusses that situation while tying back to that blog post as well. Uh, and of course, a bunch of Reddit people were just like, I don't understand why these guys are so mad to begin with. Fourth of July is a great, you know, yeah. and I'm just like, well, who, I mean, who are of, you people that are talking about A lot of people, it, it, that's the thing is that that song is played at a lot of uh, Independence Day and Fourth of July things. Like, it's now going to be played at that for quite a while. There's not a lot of Independence Day songs. You know, you got Born on the Fourth of July, or Born in the Firework, USA. Firework, Katy Perry. Sure. Firework, Katy Perry. Yeah, but it's uh, it's con- it's lyrical. So it's a part of that now. But his lyrical content doesn't oh, have I anything know. to do with any I of that. Know. Well, it doesn't matter. Which is kind of where I'm getting, because I, as I was reading these comments about people are like, oh, no, why are you so mad? It's literally one of my favorite Fallout Boys. A lot of people were saying it's one of their favorite Fallout Boys. So I know. I, I found that difficult as well. Yeah. And they, then I also. Any, I think it's the, the only album they listen well, to. Or they never, it's the only one on American Beauty, American Psycho that I was like, yeah, I guess this is fine. Well, it certainly but, sounds interesting, but guess yeah. what? It sounds interesting because you sampled the entirety of a Sun Lux song. And I didn't know that. You know, mm-hmm. but also um, uh, that's where I also saw these comments about people saying that Pete Wentz is such a great lyricist because the lyrics on that. So I went to look up the lyrics and they're garbage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Their, their lyrical content from Save Rock and Roll on is just abysmal. Yeah, it's really yeah. not good Their at choruses all. are so simplistic. It's yeah. stupid. So I, I don't let's, know. I really let's listen it... to one of my favorite choruses from them. Let's listen to the title track, American Beauty, American Psycho. Real oh quickly. boy, I hate this chorus. 
It's utterly horrible. What's that song called, do you think? American Who knows? Media, American Psycho. I really don't like how they're taking two actually really good films um, in in, in uh-huh. American pop culture in terms yep. of film-wise and <laughs> turning it into, you know, like supposed to be kind of a cheeky, yep. chorusy thing, and it's just like not good at You know, that's the same thing for the for the fourth. I don't like how they're taking – they're commercializing in a way that's just horrible – Things that are actually quite good. Do you? Did you happen to see the last um, album that I, I placed I, I in the know playlist? The last album? Yeah, the last album that I put in the playlist. I I did not listen to it, but I saw it. You did because it was late, was it not? Uh, it, I, yeah, I posted about two days ago. Uh, they posted, they created a uh, remixed esque oh album called "Make America Psycho Again," and let me uh, make it clear: this was made in 2015, right around you know the point in time when. The campaigning era. Don Trump's campaign was uh, just beginning, so they uh, capitalized quite a bit on that little bit. Yep. Uh, and it's just all of the songs off of that album, uh, but with random hip hop artists. That's true. Like Joey Badass, yeah. uh, Azalea Banks, Juicy J, Aesop Fur, Migos are there. Migos. Wiz Khalifa's there. Big Crit. That's a pretty good one, probably. Yeah, the one that hurt me was Black Thought. I was like, Black Thought, no, don't, no, 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 don't, don't do that. To That's just so sad. Don't do that to yourself, sir. But yeah, it wild. Yeah, it's it just is. It's it's like the it's the most commercial nonsense that you could be. It seems mm-hmm. in so many ways. Yeah, from this point on, and it got worse on Manic because mm-hmm. it's just like just look at the cover. Of the album, and I, 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 I've never seen an album where I look at it and I go, I don't like, I don't want to listen to it. I don't want to have to look at it anymore. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it just looks like such a nonsense ripoff of like so many things that pop people are doing. Nineteen seventy nine, yeah, nineteen seventy nine, kind of looks yep. like that cover. Looks like that also, but it also reminds like. Speaking of Drake, does not remind you of like the lighting that they did in the music video for Hotline Bling in a way where that yeah, where it does actually you know what I mean? That, and yeah. I mean it just looks like so much pop commercial garbage smashed together to try to make something. Yeah, that's like it's just horrible. I can't. Oh it man, hurts. I know it does hurt because I it's just like if bad. if you kept making at least some kind of rock something. It wouldn't have been that bad. Yeah, like I could just hate you like normal, and that's, it would be. Okay. That's that's the, the <laughs> no, thing that I think. Just... That's the thing that I think really kind of blows me away the most about Fall Out Boy as, as a band is that they were they initially came out with so much promise. Yes, they were a band that really had you know the world of possibility with them, yes. and had they because like the, the funny thing is is that like okay so let's look at the lyrics of centuries you know they're like you, you will remember me for centuries yeah. and they're we're super important and all that kind of shit um if it was a case that fallout boy had actually came back for like save rock and roll and kind of like revived their pop punk the the you know the the rock based music that they were making perhaps people would actually look back on them and think of them as a positive thing in musical history. But now, 2013 on, people fucking hate Fallout Boy. Yeah. But Nobody. It's, but it's like the it's a smaller crowd than the people that like them because That's they're true. appealing to this mass right. pop group, which will That's remember true. them because they're just writing like anthems. Yeah. Yeah. Like not even like good like bad anthems. Bad anthems. Really bad anthems. Yeah. Their legacy 
is completely tainted. I agree. I agree. And the people who uphold it as something good going forward that is that they remember is the people who don't even know the early stuff. Right. So it's just like I don't like I don't understand. I also don't like we've had this discussion before. How can you continue as a band and be dramatically like why not just break up as Fallout Boy and create a new band? If everyone still wants to be in it, that is like a different name. They ain't Fallout Boy. And just like Yeah, right. And again, like it's so why? weird because like not like it's all programmed, right? Yeah, that's true. If you if, if you did Mania live, what what would yeah, Andy Hurley do? I do, do? wonder about that. Right, what you, would Andy Hurley do? I, I wonder about that. How do you perform this line? I got some information for you. The band agreed from the beginning, basically, that their um, uh, financial would be all split up four ways. Each of them would get twenty five percent of sure. the money. Not sure. not every band does it that way, right? Um, but like because Pete, you know, obviously did. More the lyrics from the beginning and like, you know, Patrick is maybe the front man, blah, 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 whatever. But like at this point, like with Mania, like if you're the other, if you're Joe and Andy, how are you like, you're basically, what are you contributing at this point? Right. And yet you're still getting 25% of, of uh, a number one record. Right. Doing virtually nothing. Right. right. It's crazy. It's interesting. And it's funny because like with the damned things, they had to basically create a whole different band to play the music they wanted to because right. they couldn't do it in their own band. Yeah, they weren't gonna, they weren't going to get what they wanted on yeah. that. You one. should play a song from the dance. Like I haven't picked sure. my favorite song, but you should just give uh, Tyler a sample of what that band sounds like. I know we're kind of that wasn't what we were talking about before, but I did, you know. I I think we talked about it earlier I would like him to do it. Sure. Yeah, it's totally different. Yeah. Yeah. But it's totally different. It's a little more built out of every time I die stuff, but even yeah. like yeah. it's like softer almost. Well, you I mean you yeah. can hear the anthrax guitars. Yeah, yeah you I can mean, hear yeah, you can hear the anthrax um, stuff in there. I mean, Keith Buckley is known as like one of the best metal vocalists. I love uh, him. Yeah, he's I love him. Yes. Because he's We'll he's, talk about him soon, but I love him. He screams so well, and then he also is a very good singer too. And he's also a cool dude. He's a cool dude. Uh his brother's a professional wrestler. Truth. Hey. So um yeah. I don't know. I guess it's, I guess I should pick a song. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I've been I've been shat. <laughs> oh boy. I don't know what to pick on like cuz I have songs that I, I I don't think we were that hard on the things that you also think that you think are good. Yeah, I think that we were pretty I I, I like I, I think the parts that you agree are bad is where we have spent most of the time yeah. being not, not I, good. I I never said that the later stuff was good, but right. I knew that I liked the older stuff en- enough that I wanted to. Yeah, I knew it was coming. I think they're worth talking about, regardless. Especially with your little, uh, your little thing you said about them mm-hmm. being as influential yeah. as they were. It's pretty. I don't know about that. I we it's you can I uh if you look at it from a different way potentially like in terms of uh, exposure in a, to a degree. Yeah, sure, but I don't know. I don't know what the, who like, like I don't know if I would talk call about that. I don't know if I would call that influence i think i will pick uh the song from from under a cork tree i've got a dark alley and a bad idea that says you should shut your mouth in parentheses summer song 
misses I took a shot and didn't even come close At trust and love and hope And the poets are just kids who didn't make it And never had it at all And the record won't stop skipping And the lies just won't stop slipping And the side will rip your t-shirts all line We can make it for the airwaves I could see you picking that song as your favorite I've, song I've had that song as a in my favorite song list For like a really, really long time Because I didn't even like that was not my favorite song when I listened to that album when I first bought it, but it like just kind of somehow like stuck with me listening to that album again. It's funny. Uh, there's a lyric in that song that's uh, my back has been breaking from this heavy heart. It's like just kind of like uh, that you could. Uh, what, what am I trying to say? Like turn your eye, you know, like turn your nose up to that lyric. because mm. You're like, oh, this is so dumb. Like, mm-hmm. But I don't know. It Like, I think that those kind of like emo lyrics from that time period, especially with Pete being like the way that he wrote songs from that album. Mm-hmm. It just like, because of that time period when I was a kid, it kind of spoke to me more for some reason. I, I get that. Know. It's weird. I fought it. You fought it. Yeah. Cause it spoke to me too, but I didn't want it to. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? cause like, I that's actually really hated. You were that's, embarrassed by that's it. That's their best like lyrical album for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and it just like, and I think that it's one of the reasons why it blew up so much is because of, you know, like the amount of how much Pete put out from that. And I think that, I mean, nobody really knew that it was the basis. So he was able to just right. hide behind his lyrics. And so, and Patrick, I don't know. It's weird. Cause like he's, you, he's saying, he sings them like it's his own songs, yes. but whatever. Yes. But I think just because of his, um, he likes R&B music too. Yes. And like soul that, music, R&B. So like he yeah. brings that out because of he has a soulful, soulful voice as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps with that when you have like the two coming together. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I hated the lyrical content uh, when I was growing up. I hated the lyrics for those because I thought it was a little, I've, I, I found, and I know I admit that I still today in some cases find it to be a little desperate. Hmm. In a way that I'm just like, okay, pal. I can see that. So, plus right, I oh, plus oh. I also find I also found and that I found him to be like over dramatized to an extent. Yeah. In a way where it's just like, all right, like I, I you like how much are you trying to uh, appeal to people who feel the same way, and how much are you trying to push their feelings further? Yeah. You know what I mean. So, and in what ways are you making it good by appealing, but then making it worse by just like spouting, spouting more things? Kind of like, uh, am I, like, am, it's like in high fidelity. Uh, am I sad because I listen to pop music, or does pop music make me sad, or whatever? You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. It's just like that kind of to to a, to a thought. So I don't know. Yeah. Usually, I would say, uh, do we have any closing thoughts? But uh, I'm gonna cut us off. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. It's on this wise. occasion, I, I think don't have we, anything left. Anymore. I think we we could come up with a lot more to say about Fallout yeah. Boy. I there's, mean, I could I, I, could, I could talk on. about them for another episode. Probably there's yeah. a lot more to say. I could about keep them, talking but. about it because I like it, and Tyler could keep talking about it because he hates it. I'm so there's good. such a, a clash. <laughs> it really between. Is. Yeah. So, I don't yeah. know. I had fun. I've gotten that one. I've gotten that. <laughs> I uh, you know I I thought it was a worthwhile week. I'll put it that way. Yeah. I think I I don't I don't have any regrets that we covered this band on this particular occasion. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. This week we were talking about Fallout Boy. Next week we're going to be talking about The Smiths. Check out all of our social media bits and all that fun stuff. Facebook, you know, Instagram, everything. Check out our website, recordroundtable.com. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash recordroundtable. We're going to be doing some new stuff on there that's worth checking out. So, you know look into us uh, all that thanks for listening and goodbye <laughs>